Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we get started, I want to remind you that we are brought to you today by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, the name of this network, and you get $10 off your first order. All right, welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. Uh, a day late, but part of that is because we wanted to actually really dive into some film and give you a fun episode. This is something we got asked in a mailbag months ago, and finally we had a chance to really dive into it, talk to our friends in the scouting community and get into the film and the stats ourselves we're going to talk about the best players in the world not in the nba who either have been drafted already or went undrafted so we're not talking about future draft prospects here this is just trying to find players who might come over in the near future and help a an NBA team and John the history has shown that there are guys out there who can really become quality NBA contributors yeah certainly I mean if you look at the NBA right now uh Joe Ingles Royce O'Neal uh Max Kleba uh previously you know Andre Snocioni was undrafted and had a long productive career in the league uh there are others who have contributed a lesser level Udonis Haslam originally was an overseas guy uh Boban, you know, there Pablo Prigioni. I mean, there's there's definitely been guys. D- Daniel Tice was the starting center for the Celtics this year. He he was undrafted. Um, yeah, but we'll hit a couple of guys whose draft rights uh, are owned too, who are overseas to uh, catch up uh, on those players. Uh, but it, you did this uh, for a long time, obviously. What are some of the characteristics that you're looking for? I mean, obviously, the guy's got to be good and playing at a high level where he's playing overseas already. But in addition to that, as guys try to make the transition from another league to the NBA, what are some of the things that that you're looking for? So one of the things you don't see guys do as much overseas, and this especially impacts the evaluation of bigs, is guard in space. And so you're really looking for clues on that front as to whether this guy is... When you're looking at bigs, is this guy really going to be able to defend out on the perimeter and in pick and rolls uh, when when NBA teams try to get him involved in that? Or is he just going to have a target on his back and, and get pick and roll to death and not be able to play because of that? Uh, I think most of these guys do come in as role players. And so you're looking at the ability to shoot in a lot of cases uh, for, for most of these guys is important unless they're just like a crazy energy guy. And then... Uh, they, I mean, they have to be <laughs> really good, obviously. If you're not one of the best players in Europe, it's it's hard for me to imagine how you're going to be an impactful role player at the NBA level. Yeah, sometimes it's you can identify players who might have some raw skills and you say, okay, we can 
work with this. Royce O'Neal is a perfect uh, example of that, where you know he was playing Grand Canaria, not one of the great teams uh, in Europe, but he comes over and you know, he just made the Jazz team uh, out of camp. You know, I don't know if they even thought he was going to make their team, but he he continued to evolve, and now he j- got a, a contract for like thirty million dollars. So uh, pretty impressive development there. Some of it can just be seeing where guys can continue to develop in an NBA system or on a two-way perhaps. Um, the other thing too that I, that I think is interesting just to talk a little bit about the European game is there really just aren't any NBA style wings in Europe. Like there just aren't players with that level of athleticism. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing I always say from Europe is that size translates and uh, s- speed doesn't. In other words, that they're going to be, they're going to be playing a much faster game over here. Uh, but when, if you're worried about them being too small, if they're not too small in Europe, they're probably not too small over here. The European lineups are often bigger than the ones that get played over here. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, you might see guys not being athletic enough or not having a, as big of a wingspan. You, you can see that uh, that sort of issue. But, yeah, I mean, usually, and, and quickness, too, pretty much anyone who has NBA quickness uh, in Europe, who, you know, obviously isn't, like, clearly a prospect or, or something like that it, or isn't clearly on the radar but pretty much anyone who has nba quickness in europe is probably going to be you know a really small guard who's totally undersized yeah that's that's generally and, and most teams have a guy like that yeah yeah who can be good players i, I think w- one of the other interesting things too is just generally european basketball is much less heliocentric which makes sense right in the u.s you've got uh, you know like any distribution there are going to be outliers at the top of it. And so you have players where you can put the ball in their hands for usage over 30% and spread the floor and just let them control everything for you. Whereas in Europe, you know, guys just aren't really playing much more than 25 minutes, even some of the best players at times. And it just doesn't run that way because they're not that much better than everyone else where you're like, okay, we want this guy running well, it every and, single time in most and games. it's not just that it's the defense rules too because they could station yeah. a guy in the paint all the time and that's right. the re- other reason that you, it's, it's tough to evaluate bigs defensively some sometimes they just station a guy into paint all the time any post up they're going to double from the top and force the, or uh, they're going to play they're actually not going to double from the top they're going to play the guy on the top side force him to spin baseline and there's another guy just standing there at the rim and forces him to finish over two people. Uh, so it's just some of the ways the game is played is just different, and you have to account for that when you're watching and and try to translate how that will look at an NBA level. Slower pace uh, as well uh, over there in Europe. Well, you so you don't see these guys in transition much because of all the Euro fouls too. Yeah. Well, although they've now they've changed the rule on that a little bit, so thankfully. So I mean, I mean, you can still get away with it, but like the really obvious ones, they actually, you know, that's like an unsportsman like now. But yeah. um, I, the other observation that I had is there does seem to be a little bit more switching than I remember, you know, five, five or 10 years ago. It's been a little while since I dove into some, a, a lot of European film like this. I mean, I've looked at prospects, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, one or two a year, Um, because I think there's this realization that you don't have those uh, number one there's not as much spacing as you talked about because there's no defense of three seconds three-point line is shorter and number two you don't have these unbelievable offensive creators who are just going to cook you every time in an iso there's a few guys like that and obviously the guys defending them are slower but i did see more of a willingness to switch uh especially with some of the guys we looked at maybe that's a good indication for them Mm -hmm. um so i i thought that was interesting um the other thing i that uh, shows up to me is 
what is this guy's role in Europe? And then is he going to have to change? I kind of call it the the Dario Saric rule. And another guy that we're going to talk about too is going to come up for of, okay, or the uh, the Zoran Planinich rule. Like, all right, you can have the ball in your hands in Europe. That's great. But is this someone that we really want to have the ball a lot in the U.S.? And yeah. if not, then what else can this guy do? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's one of the questions that, that we'll be asking. Let's see. Um, another thing that was mentioned to me but before we start, I want to see if you agree with it, and I think I do. Did you say that the quality of play in Europe relative to the NBA is lower than it has been? It is uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one is that we've gotten better at taking the player, good players out of Europe earlier. And in particular, our colleges have gotten much better at that. Um, like two thirds of Gonzaga's team would be playing in, in a, on a team in Europe, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, or Arizona's entire incoming class this year would be playing, you know, in these various leagues in Europe and kind of raising that, that floor across the league when you have all these 18, 19, 20, 20 year old, uh, prodigies, even though Europe trends Older, they tend not to give their young guys as much time. Still, having those guys in those leagues make it stronger. So, like when I, my first or second year with the Grizzlies, when I'm scouting the Adriatic League in Europe, which isn't even probably a top three league in Europe, but Dario Saric and Yusuf Nurkic and Nikola Jokic and Vasilya Micic were all playing in it <laughs> at the same time. And that, you see that scenario less and less where, um, there are still high-level prospects in Europe playing in Europe. I mean, obviously, we saw it with Luka Doncic, but there are fewer and fewer every year. Yeah, also, uh, one thing that's pointed out to me is just that uh, some could have argued that in you know 15 years ago, the Europeans were actually ahead of us in terms of their strategy, mm-hmm. and now that that's not really the case anymore. You know, I mean, they were running spread, pick, and roll. D'Antoni got... I mean, I can't remember whether he was the one who was really implementing those ideas or he was getting it from other coaches. But, you know, spread, pick and roll is one of the big things that they're doing back then. And now, you know, obviously the NBA does that at the absolute. And I think NBA, I, I noticed more movement actually in NBA offenses than I saw in some of these European offenses at this point. So, mm-hmm. um, okay, let's uh, get started here. We're just going to kind of throw some guys out there, spend time on the ones that we really think have a chance. We might have some disagreement on it, which will be fun. Uh, but who did you want to start with here? So I don't know if we need to spend a lot of time on this guy. I think everyone probably agrees he's the best player not in the NBA right now, and that's Nikola Miritich, uh, FC Barcelona, who was with the Pelicans and Bucks last season and basically turned down a bunch of money because he wanted to go back and play in Europe this year. Yeah, $15 million a year from the Jazz. There's a story of how he was at the airport about to go back for a free agent meeting and then decided not to do it. But yeah, it seems unlikely that he's going to come back. And Miritich is interesting. When he was a rookie with the Bulls, it wasn't, oh my God, this guy's just like a stretch shooter. He only shot 30% from three, but it was all the other stuff he was doing. He was getting a chance to post up, pass, drive a little bit, and then as time went on, he kind of had to specialize more. You see that with a lot of these European guys. I think he kind of got sick of just standing out by the three-point line. He just wanted to be more involved. And yeah. so he goes back and plays for FC Barcelona this year. So I don't see him coming back anytime soon. No, I don't. He's he's 29 now. Um, usually by that point, if a guy hasn't come over, he's not. There are exceptions, yeah. uh, but that that's the general rule. 
that for that reason, I should mention we've limited our conversation to guys who are under thirty. Yeah. So we're not going to be talking about like Nando DiColo or Sergio Yule or guys like that. Yeah, which is too bad. Both those guys, I think, could have had nice NBA careers. But mm-hmm. again, they, you know, all these guys, as we'll talk about, is it really worth it to go for being a starter on one of the best teams in Europe to potentially a backup guard in the NBA? Although I think both Tocolo and Yule yeah. could have maybe started for some teams or been like a high level, a third guard playing 25, 30 minutes a game. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a few of these guys, let's just run through these ones quickly that NBA, uh, Fans are probably familiar with Shane Larkin, also one of the best players uh, in Europe yep. right now. Um, he played with Vasilya Misic, another guy that, that we're going to talk about in a second here. Uh, but Larkin, he's just, uh, if, if he were to come back over, and I think, you know, he's had a couple of stints now, you think you would get offered more than the minimum? I do, but it would have to be a team that needed a guard more than Boston did. So yeah. the the big shift I see with Shane Larkin is he wasn't a shooter when he got into the league and he's only five foot eleven. Um, he's uh, he is super athletic and it really stands out in Europe because he does things other guys in Europe can't do. Like you don't see five eleven guards in Europe getting tip dunks, <laughs> but he does, right? Yeah. But so his four seasons in the NBA, he took a three point attempt every fourteen minutes and made thirty three percent of them. So this year in Turkey. He shot 45% from three and 90 from the line, and he was taking a three-pointer almost every four minutes. So shooting much more accurately at a much higher volume, which somebody at his size, he needs to do. He needs to be that level of offensive threat. And I think in the right situation where you bring him in to be a tempo changer as a backup point guard and put the ball in his hands and ask him to ask him to shoot at a pretty high volume, I think he can fill that role. Obviously, his size is always going to be a question at the defensive end. But like I said, he is he is a good athlete. So if he's not just getting posted into oblivion, he can hold his own. I think when he's when he's defending outside, and it's just unfortunate because I thought Boston made a nice move to bring him over that that year. Um, I had scouted him with in Bilbao. I thought he was definitely one of the best, if not the best, European European players at that point. And I think he's gotten a lot better since then, actually, especially as a shooter. Uh, I just don't, I mean, he's 27. We'll, we'll see if he wants to come over at this. He's getting paid good money at Fenerbahce. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sure if at this point we're going to see him again. Yeah. And Adolu Efes, by the way, by the way. Well. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Right city, wrong team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. They were, they were awesome this year. They were like 34 and four or something, I think. Um, and have a, a lot of time. Yeah. I mean, I think it would really, you know, it's going to take something. You know, in the six, seven million dollar a year range and a really nice role, I think, before he, he would consider it. And, you know, we've seen those types of contracts before it, like, you know, there's a one year deal for Sergio Rodriguez, but that was also in the summer of 2016. It's not the same climate yeah. right now. Yeah. Dosich got a deal like that. Yeah. Yeah. He got uh, six million for a couple of years. Um, so maybe, you know, that's probably what it would take. And does he want to be a backup uh, as well? I mean, I think he, I was surprised that he came over for Boston because they had they didn't really have a role for him. Yeah, and so it made more sense for him to go back. But he wasn't going to be able to boost his value. Yeah, I, I think he could be very solid there. I mean, you know, how much better would the Atlanta Hawks be with him as their backup point guard? You know, I think that's uh, yes. Although in fairness, they would be better with you or Danny Larue as the backup point guard. As well. I, I can't be trusted to stay healthy. In <laughs> <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> 
Yeah. Maybe I could help out with, you know, some coaching. Or something. Um, so Shane, Shane Larkin, one more point on him because it's very hard to put up amazing individual stats in Europe. He's got a PER above 30 in EuroLeague games this oof. year, which is insane. You never see that. And it's virtually impossible to do that because of how distributed the scoring usually is. So who else is out there that NBA fans might be familiar with? It? Maybe uh, this is a, a good time to talk about uh, Toko Shangelia. Yes. You'll, People remember him, I think his second round draft pick of the Nets originally then was traded to the Bulls. Never really got much tick though. And, and it ended up going back and now uh, has uh, evolved into one of the better players in Europe. Uh, tell us just a, a little bit about how his game has evolved since he was in the NBA. He's kind of combo forward, yeah. size guy, never was a great shooter, uh, but could at- attack off the bounce and was, you know, probably below average at the NBA level defensively when he left us um how has he evolved so i would say um when he was with the nets he had a shoulder problem too he could not shoot at all like you'd watch him in pregame warm-ups shooting just for like 15 footers and he'd miss all of them like he was terrible and so he's really evolved in in that area to be at least a halfway decent shooter he uh shot 36 this year on 163 attempts that's good enough you know, where, where teams aren't just going to completely abandon you on the perimeter. But his big thing is he's more of an around the basket guy, a transition guy. He's got good size. I think he's basically a four, uh, at this point. He plays four almost all the time for, uh, Vittoria. And he's, he's got still pretty decent size for a four. He can handle the ball. He's really good in transition. Uh, pretty good on scoring off the block and on ISOs, especially. He's actually, he's actually become like a really good ISO scorer. He's probably a little bit harder to fit just yeah. because he's not a stretch guy or not a pure stretch guy. And his matchup advantages in Europe are probably stronger than they would be at the NBA level. So you basically ask him to be sort of in that kind of second unit, give us some energy, get us some, get us some easy baskets, maybe score against switches type of role. He probably has to raise the shooting another notch to really be a, a sure thing as an nba guy yeah the volume was low from three he also kind of shoots a a flat ball that he kind of leans into a little bit so yeah those type of shots i wonder it is not a gorgeous release yeah (laughs) yeah i mean those type of shots i I wonder whether even going back the extra two feet is uh is gonna hurt him uh, you know, it seems like he's just like he's just barely getting it to the rim from yeah. uh, the the twenty two foot line. Um, I gotta be honest, I don't see it with him. I don't think that there's really. I mean, all right, could he come over and like be on a roster and not kill you? Yes, but I don't. Other than scoring, I'm not really sure what he does well. And he's, you're just not going to put the ball in his hands at the NBA level. A lot of what he's doing is kind of getting the switch, backing down. He's not really a great distributor. Like I, I think he's. A very poor man, Sharich, who isn't the passer or shooter that Sharich has become. And we've even seen Sharich, you know, he's an NBA player, but he's kind of yeah. struggled to carve out a, a high level of role. So I'm not sure that it's really worth it for an NBA team. Yeah. All right. You want to come over on a, on a minimum? Sure. But like, he's not going to want to do that. So I, I just, th- that's one where I really, uh, I mean, maybe you feel differently about it, but I, I, he just seems like, you know, a kind of a quadruple A player to <laughs> right right a, a, a Derek Williams or like somebody like that right yeah yeah, yeah we're just and, and then defensively he's going to get cooked too I mean that's the other problem he, if he's going to play the four he provides no rim protection whatsoever 
Um, you know, he's not going to be able to close out on guys really. You know, he doesn't have really much of a, a wingspan. He'd be a below average defender at the NBA level at best. Yeah, I, th- I think that is is probably clear. Yeah. So, yeah, he's that guy that you bring in and then you hope, you know, you hope you can make some improvements from there, I guess. But he's 28, so he's a little long in the tooth for that. Yeah, well, and it's just, it's funny, right? Because you, know, you could bring this guy in if you decided that you're going to make him a big part of what you're doing. You know, I think he actually could score pretty adequately, you know, but he's just compared to the other guys that you could be giving that opportunity to, um, you know, he's got yeah. more ball skills than a lot of NBA wings. Absolutely. But it's just, a, it, I mean, maybe if you just had a bad team and you're like, shit, we need somebody who can do something offensively, you could bring him in. But I, I'm certainly for any kind of a team that had aspirations, I don't see him as a rotation player. Um, did, would you agree with that? Or, or yeah, no, I would, I would probably, to me, he's, uh, kind of 11th, 12th guy. I want to take a quick break to tell you about a new sponsor, rockauto.com. If you've been getting your auto parts at a traditional chain storefront, you might realize that it's become an ever more annoying process. Increasing number of makes, increasing number of models. It's really impossible for these storefronts to stock all the parts you need anymore. You have to wait for the guy at the counter to order the parts uh, on his computer. Now you went in just to get him to order you something on the computer. You do that yourself at home and save. If you're someone who likes to repair and maintain your cars on your own or you want to start doing that to save some money why are you going to choose to spend 30 50 or 100 percent more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or even worse at the dealer give it a shot if you have a place you normally go to get your auto parts compare it with rock auto i bet they're going to do better they always offer the lowest prices possible you don't have to have a membership you don't have to log into an account rockauto.com is just a family business serving auto parts customers online now for 20 years they have tons of experience with this go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers so go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car and truck their interface it's really easy to find what you need and to help us out please write locked on in there how did you hear about us box they know that you came from us amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com okay so we haven't found anyone yet that might actually come over (laughs) (laughs) let's uh here's one that i i actually was high on and it's funny you know relatively obviously it's funny because this player has been kind of the butt of a joke especially on my show for a long time because he's just a completely wasted draft pick he was a signability pick in a way for the Spurs in 2015, but they didn't actually want to sign him later. They basically needed someone who's going to stay overseas. And this is the best guy that they could find because they're trying to sign LaMarcus Aldridge in free agency. And that's a uh, Nikola Militinov. And I was actually relatively impressed by him. I think he could be at minimum a solid backup center in the NBA. What are your thoughts on that? He's gotten quite a bit better because I was not feeling it with him at all. Um, and over the last couple of years, he's just each year you see him inch, inch his game forward a little bit. He had some physical problems, I think, earlier in his 20s that he's gotten past. He's an OK athlete. He's not a freak or anything. But I mean, he's seven feet tall, so he doesn't have to be. You, you know, I thought he had kind of sneakier athleticism and mobility than it looks like. Because he's got he's not like doesn't have like a cut body or anything. But I, yeah. I thought he actually like could move OK out there. Yeah. Yeah. He. So yeah, he was a Spurs first round pick in in 2015, and as you mentioned, they were I do I do think they were trying to just kind of hide the hide the cap hit so to speak from that pick because they wanted to play in in free agency. 
Um, but so, could yeah, could no, end up, as you say, could end up being a decent backup five. Is no longer bound by the salary cap because it's been more than three years. And he's still 25 years old. So he's still young enough that it's plausible that he could come over. Uh, the other thing you like to see, he's I feel like he's getting a little better at reading and feeling the game. Yes. And uh, you see his assist rate on upper upper trajectory. Uh, just just some really nice year-to-year improvement from him over a period of a few years to where now he's at the point where you're like, okay, maybe you are an NBA player after all. Yeah, a few of the, the notes I I actually think it he could start for you in that pinch. Like I, I don't think it would be awesome or anything, but I think he could actually you know do a uh, poor man's Avicca Zubac impression. Um, he's got a 7'3 wingspan. Um, I, he was hasn't been asked to shoot outside, but his touch actually looks okay from the mid range. Um, you mentioned he's improved his feel. I think he could be a capable passer doing some of the DHO stuff. You know, he's not an explosive finisher. He's not going to go get alley-oops, but I think he's capable around the rim. Shot 66% from the field this year. He was up to 20% offensive rebounds in 24 games in the EuroLeague, and he was 19 and 18% the last two years across all competitions. So I think that's yeah. something. He is really a force uh, around the rim. He would be a, a little bit more limited because you can't just camp out in the lane on the defense of three seconds. But, um, you know, when they, he did switch, and again, this is at the European level, and I, you wouldn't want him doing this necessarily in the NBA, but I thought he competed okay. He's got, he'll kind of do like the Andrew Bogut kind of like jab at the guy and like make him a little, little bit off balance. Like he wasn't just getting completely cooked by these guys on switches. Um, they even, you know, were comfortable having him switch like they would that was something that they intentionally did even not even necessarily late clock yeah. uh, at times um he can get into the post against smaller guys he doesn't have like a classic post game but like he'll just kind of bury guys every once in a while and, and you know, can just like duck in and get get a bucket so I, I i liked him i think he's you know all right he's not gonna close games for you or anything but i i thought uh, he can clearly play a role to me um, so of the guys we've talked about so far, I think, you know, he, he wouldn't necessarily be the best player, but I think he would be maybe the best fit of anyone we've talked about so far. Well, the only thing I would push back on that a little bit is just there's there's just no market or need for fives like him. Like, the, the you know what I mean? Like, you can, you can get guys like that at a minimum anywhere. I think I think he's a little better than that. I think, it, like, his size around the rim and offensive rebounding and it, you know he doesn't have a ton of like big weaknesses in his game like i think he can do some stuff on both ends you know he's not jonas valanciunas as an offensive player but i think he could be kind of similar to that as a defensive player potentially and um do some stuff on the offensive class i i you know it's i i'm not saying he's a world beater or anything mm-hmm. But I think you could at least throw him in at backup center and be totally comfortable. Whereas, I mean, there are some teams that don't have backup centers. Now, are you going to pay him enough? It, like, you know, I, I could, I would feel reasonable going with, you know, the kind of the standard backup center two year, $10 million deal for him potentially. Does that seem crazy to you? Maybe a little, maybe a little high. I don't know. If you, like, if you get him for three times three, that's probably more where, where my head is that on him? I don't know. It's yeah. interesting for the Spurs because they actually could end up close enough to the tax that they have to let Jakapertl walk and bring him over to be their okay, backup. Right, well, let me ask you this. Would you just give him a, a rookie scale contract at the 25 slot? for Because you, you can still give him that. Like They have the option to pay him more if they have the cap space because it's been three years. But yeah. would you just give him his rookie scale slot? Well, yeah. I think that, that, would be, that would be probably a clear win. 
Yeah. Okay. So you, I mean, that's now would that be enough for him? But uh, I don't know. I don't know how much he's making right now. Um, he plays for, by the way, Olympiacos, right? Thank you. Yes. Yeah, I knew it was either. It was one of the two. <laughs> he had a 50, 50 shot, right? <laughs> yeah. Like right. me well, and that, my that's good. You, you, you got one of the Turkish teams wrong and I got one of the, <laughs> the Greek teams wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I think he, he could be pretty good. Um, who do you want to talk about next here? Uh, let's talk about former Grizzlies summer league legend, Scotty Wilbekin. <laughs> I'm interested, yeah, was, I'm interested what yeah. your thoughts were, uh, uh, seeing him. Cause this would probably be like a pretty pure intro to him for you. Yeah. I, I haven't looked at it. I saw, you know, a couple of his games, uh, at Florida. I saw a couple of his games uh, in summer league. Uh, you know, another one, he played for, for Maccabi. One of these guys where it may just not make sense for him to come over. He's not the lead ball handler that Larkin is. He's got a little yeah. more size. I think definitely has NBA athleticism for the size that he is, but you know, he's what, like six one without some great wingspan. Um, but he's really more of a, a scoring to, you know, your poor man's Jason Terry type of guy. I think one of the most intriguing things to me is just his shooting ability. Either he can come off of screens and shoot either on the ball or off the ball. And so I, I think he could definitely contribute to an NBA team. I don't know how efficient he would be. And it, it does make it tough as a fit because he's really kind of a two. And so these, but he can really only guard ones. And I don't think he's really a great defender either. Yeah. He's, he's a pretty good athlete though. Uh, so that definitely pop for us when we had him at the time he wasn't as good a shooter he was just okay at florida and the mechanics were a little wonky it looks like he's tightened that up quite a bit he past three seasons he shot 41 then 35 then 44 and on pretty huge volume too like he definitely he gets elevation on his shot he can get him away uh he's got big stones like he doesn't mind taking big shots but he's not a true lead ball handler. I agree with you on that. He's not a pure point guard, not a guy who gets into the paint easily or, or, you know, makes amazing passes or things like that. He's athletic. He's not a hugely impactful defender. Maybe I think he's a, he's a backup. If you can pair him with a shot creating wing is, is what I wrote down that there are some teams where they don't need their point guard to be the, the lead ball handler. And he can fit in really well in that role because if he, he's can shoot and he's pretty athletic, but if he, if he has to be a shot creator, then I think you're going to be really disappointed. Yeah. And I think the thing that most excited me about him was his ability to come off screens and shoot threes coming off screens off the ball. You know, that's uh, something that even in the NBA, not a lot of guys can do if he could translate yeah. that to the NBA. He also uh, felt it was very comfortable pulling up from deep well beyond the european three-point line yeah. well beyond even the nba three-point line that's another skill that i really like a lot yeah and he always had that he just couldn't make them nearly as frequently <laughs> yeah so you always wonder if the shooting is going to translate you'll see guys come over and maybe struggle to shoot a little bit their first year but yeah i definitely think giving him a shot in a backup guard role as someone who can just create some buckets for you on the second unit, you know, that, that seems kind of reasonable to me. I hope he comes over just so that Kevin Pelton can make, uh, one of my favorite jokes of his that I've ever heard. He, he said, uh, if Scotty marries your sister, he will be kin. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. Uh, sh- shall we, shall we move on? Uh, yeah, on that I, note? Need to, I might need something to drink first. <laughs> All right. Don't, don't shoot the messenger. Either All right. Who do, who do, who do you got Relating for me? that joke. 
I'm always trying to get more protein in my diet. Honestly, during quarantine, kind of packed on the pounds a little bit. And getting more protein, I've I've always found, is a great way to lose weight because it fills you up, but it's not that many calories. And Built Bar is the best protein bar that I've found. It's the protein bar that actually finally tastes like a candy bar, doesn't taste like chalk or cement or some other paste that started its life as a rock. Instead, it's 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate and nut flavors, eight chocolate and nut-free flavors, bars are covered 100 chocolate but the bars are low calorie low sugar high protein and high fiber they're peanut butter brownie 20 grams of protein 170 calories three grams of sugar three grams of net carbs the way to get started with them is at builtbar.com and make sure you use the promo code locked on to get ten dollars off your first order that's promo code locked on for ten dollars off at built bar don't forget that locked on promo code to let them know that you came from us let's talk about Misich now sure loved him Way back in 2013, he was in the 2014 draft. I was surprised he actually went as low uh, as he did. It had a, a really nice run against Team USA in the 2013 FIBA Under-19 Championships that, that kind of burst him onto the radar as a prospect. was really good at the 2014 Euro Camp, uh, which I was at. Sadly, I, it's right during the NBA Finals, so I've never been able to go to that uh, again. But uh I just loved his feel. Loved his, Big guard, about 6'5", but definitely a pure point guard. Um, limited athletically, to be sure, but I think he's, like, one of the 15 best passers in the world watching him. Like, I was really just incredibly impressed by the sheer creativity of his deliveries. I, I And I just, I just love watching the guy I always have. Yeah, I think uh, his draft stock fell in 2014 for a couple of reasons. First of all, he couldn't shoot at all. Um, he's actually like a lot of these guys we've talked about, um, has become halfway decent, right? He shot really? in the mid 30s three years in a row. At all? I thought he was like okay for what was he, a 19 year old, 20 year old point guard at that point? I thought he was like fine as a uh, shooter. That That's not your recollection? Nah. Um, the, the other thing that stood out about him was. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really see it. But uh, I, I mean, I remember him like hitting some threes off the pick yeah. and roll in that game against the the U.S. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you saw more than I did. So uh, the, I just the, don't remember having. I thought it was like, all right, he's going to be fine. As yeah. I didn't think it was to be great, but I thought he could do definitely well. agree with you on like size, handle, passing ability. Definitely has all that. He's a yeah. pure point guard and he's big. Um, he uh, the the other thing he really struggled with was finishing around the rim, and that. Became really noticeable to me, actually, because I, I was at that, um, uh, I can't even remember what it's called anymore. The, the turn, the tournament in Italy. Oh, the Euro camp. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, after that Euro camp, I saw him, uh, playing for his, for his own team. And that, that's when it really underscored how much trouble he had finishing at the, at the rim and in the basket area. And you yeah. you still question that with him because he's not a great athlete. And if he's not going to be able to put enough pressure on defenses as a scorer, then obviously two things happen. First of all, you don't want to have the ball in his hands. And second of all, he's not enough of a threat to open up his passing. So that's what you worry about with him. And then at the defensive end, obviously, he has size, but is he going to be able to guard the position? Are you going to need to put him on twos and have somebody else who can handle the quickness of a one? Uh, what are you going to do with him there? But he's a, he's a, he was a late stash pick by the Sixers in 2014. They have his rights. He's 26 years old. So that could, he could be an option for them. I mean, they have a glaring hole at backup point guard. Their luxury tax situation would dictate that if they could get him on a minimum, that would be really helpful. 
So he could be a guy we see next year. Yeah, and you know, he's on, on that same that Anadolu FS team. Um, you know, who knows what the economic situation is going to be in Europe? I think he has a buyout, something along the, uh, the athletic guys from the Sixers. I think they said he has a buyout, like a million euros or something, which is not that's there. That's for a minimum, you might be able to to get there. The NBA team pays the seven hundred fifty thousand or seven seventy five, whatever it is, next year. Yeah, and maybe that gets you there. Um, especially if you could say, hey, you know, you're going to come over. We'll give you like a one year deal, and then you can be a restricted free agent. I guess your problem is you don't bird rights then, though. So I guess it would have to be a two year deal. Typically, you want to bring the guy over for two. But like, yeah. so when we did this, we, we've done that drill a few times. Um, like we did with Nick Calathis, it was a two year minimum. Um, for, for that reason, he wanted to, he wanted the opportunity to get the payday as quickly as possible, but we, we needed to have something to show for our buyout. So that, that ends up being a fairly common resolution. So I totally agree with you about his finishing and the scouting report will clearly be, uh, to try and make a finish at the rim, but he's creative enough that, yeah, that's the scouting report, but he's really good at making it look like he's about to shoot. And then, I mean, some of the passes. Yeah. That he throws just the, the no, the no look passes, the way he finds incredible angles. You know, uh, how would you compare him to Taya Dosich? That's someone who I, I think people might be familiar with to, to kind of set some context here. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that the passing brilliance, uh, you know, is, is similar. Taya Dosich might still have the advantage there. Uh, Taya Dosich, much better shooter. Uh, Michich, you have questions defensively. Teodosic, it was more like there was no question. He was a disastrous defender. <laughs> like you knew that the whole time going in. So I, I, I think that's where he can make up some ground on, on, uh, Milos. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, he at least isn't just like, he'll at least try and be physical against switches a little bit. He's, he's really slow. He doesn't get in a stance. He changes direction extremely poorly. He's not a, a good defender, you know, and he doesn't necessarily, make up for it by like being a super smart defender either but you know he tries he's gonna be uh, he's gonna be either really bad or below average i would say is about his ceiling but especially on a team like the sixers he they've got enough other guys around him i think that he can avoid getting killed and as a shooter i, I agree i think teo is better i think teo's got a little bit more just straight line speed i think uh misich has a little bit more wiggle and he's working on like a step back that he was hitting on occasion uh, from three point range, he doesn't get it off very quickly. So I think you would have to continue to evolve a little bit as a shooter, but I think you can, you can just say, Hey, you know what? We're going to give this guy the ball in pick and roll and we're going to have enough around him. You know, you could, I think him, you know, running pick and roll with Ben Simmons as the role man for Philly, who they have his rights, obviously in a, in a theoretical construct where there are shooters around. Yes. Yes. Um, but you know, on some of those second, you have, if you're playing Al Horford at center with those groups, um, I mean, he's just, he's going to make the right decision on pick and roll. He might be switchable. You know, that's something that uh, maybe teams would be able to do on it, but not every team can do that. So I, I think he, he is someone I think you put the ball in his hands for pick and roll and you put some shooters around him and some athletes around him and it could look really, really good. You know, I, mm-hmm. like I would say he's better offensively than like Ricky Rubio is certainly not as good defensively, but you know, Rubio doesn't look that great a lot of times, but his offenses can look good if you give him the ball and let him run pick and roll. I think Misic is better than him um, as an offensive player. In the half court, you mean? Yes, that's true. Yeah, he's Misic is not going to push the ball the way Rubio is. That's true. 
Um, we might get to see more of that it, it, at the NBA level because European teams don't run. But yeah, Rubio is faster than him. He's much better athlete for sure. Um, so I, I mean, I think, I think he could ultimately be better than Tay Dosich. Even Tay Dosich, I thought was fine. It's just he got hurt all the time. We never really got to see him that much. And then he, then he went back to Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think he could be, if you put the right pieces around him, I think he could even be like a low end starting point guard. Wow. Okay. I can't, I can't get to that, but as, I, a, I, as an offensive player, uh, I, I just, I just don't know if he's got the scoring part of it enough to really leverage the passing. I think he could be a top 30 offensive point guard. In the okay. That's, it's, that's not that high of a bar to clear. No, up. it's, it's, it's actually, it's actually not. Yeah. Of just some like, it, yeah, I, I don't know. It's because you're right. He's, he doesn't have the scoring, but I think he's just, I think he's got enough, especially if you, you gave him enough reps and he could kind of figure it out mm-hmm. that he could manipulate the defense well enough to really set things up, even though he's not scoring all the time. Like I think we have seen guys be able to do that. And yeah, you know what? The coach is going to be tearing his hair out as once again, the, the big, Jumps for his shot fake and leaves leaves the guy <laughs> wide open for a dunk. But he's just right. so crafty; he can get guys to do that. That's that's my thinking. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if like if TJ McConnell can be a guy who's running pick and roll every time in the second unit for the Pacers, mm-hmm. I, like Facilier Micic can can get it done as as a pick and roll guy in the NBA. Like McConnell is another one of these guys who just never wants to shoot it. Yeah. Um, okay. That. that that was good though. I, I, I like when we, when we have disagreements. I, I fully acknowledge I'm higher on Misic than just about anybody. And, and I am, I'm, I'm just a sucker for guys who can pass like that. And maybe, maybe that's clouding my judgment. I don't know. Um, anyone else that you really, that really stands out to you of like, okay, this guy, I, I'm pretty high on this guy. This guy could come over and play a role in the NBA right now that we haven't talked about yet. Um, probably the other big guy we haven't talked about is Sean Long. Yeah. Uh, he's six nine and he's, Pretty much a five. He's been yeah, a little let's, heavy. A lot, let's give a little back. Where, where is he playing right now? Australia. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, he played for Melbourne this year. Uh, just has always been really effective statistically. There are defensive questions with him and, and I don't want to dismiss them entirely, but very high rate of effectiveness for a guy who's not in the NBA. 233 career minutes in the NBA, player efficiency rating of 24. Career Summer League player efficiency rating of 24. Career G League player efficiency rating of 23. Uh, had the best player efficiency rating in the Australian League this year by a pretty wide margin. Uh, now that said, his team went 16 and 15. They didn't run rough shot over the league or anything. Uh, th- there are questions about him at the defensive end. He's undersized. He's a little heavy. Uh, but he does rebound. Uh, can play some inside and outside. Uh, like he, he's not a knockdown guy or anything, but he can make a three. And he can score pretty effectively around the basket and rebounds. Like he just, he's, he's got a lot of positives for a guy who's not in the NBA at all. Yeah. He, he does. I mean, I, he's a little doughier still, but he does appear to have gotten in a little better shape to me. I would say, I mean, he's one of those guys to me where I just was like, all right, this guy's putting up the stats, but is he really helping you win as a big, you know, NBA teams have other guys who can score and, See, like you, you talked about this with Militinov. I think there's much less demand for guys like Long than guys like Militinov because I just don't think that Long, you know, pick and roll, he's probably going to get traffic going a little bit. I mean, what do you think of him as like a rim protector? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, going to be, 
I mean, he's going to be a below average defensive center. You think that's yeah? I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, I I just I just look at what he's done and wonder if he's like another Christian Wood type, where he's just going places and putting up numbers year after year. And because he wasn't a high pick and there's not a lot of demand for bigs, it just takes him a long time to find his place. How would you describe his overall athleticism? Okay. Uh, I don't know. Like, can, can he go th- get an alley oop? I, 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 yes, but I don't think it's going to be like a regular part of his game either. Yeah. Um, actually, blocks shots at a pretty decent rate, but yeah, I, I, I understand your misgivings, and and I think teams have those misgivings, and that's why he's not in the league. But I, I still think like he's been so effective and productive. I mean, re- rebounds at a really high rate. Uh, can can score, you know, in a in a variety of ways, even though he's maybe not a guy you're going to run offense through. But guys like that, too, can be really effective. Like, if you don't really need to run anything for him, but they still can get points just kind of in the flow. And I think he might be one of those guys. So, I mean, don't, I'm not saying go crazy over him, but if I, if I needed a fourth or fifth big, yeah, I think he'd probably be better than some of the guys who teams end up signing. Yeah, it's, it's just tough to fit him into a role like i i agree with you i think he could be you know a decent offensive player but i you know i think he's turns into one of these guys where he's like you know hey coach i just had you know 10 points in eight rebounds in 15 minutes like why am i coming out you know it's, it's like one of those guys um so i i mean all right is he would i feel bad about like spending a minimum or something on him no i think but he's probably close closer to a minimum guy yeah yeah all right what, what other anyone else that sticks out to you as like Yes, this guy should be in the league. Uh, yeah. So there's one other guy I think that doesn't get a lot of attention. Uh, and, uh, that is, uh, Zach Lede from Zalgaris. Yeah. I want to hear what you like about him because I can't say I saw it from, from him. <laughs> and, and now I, I will admit he has a very unconventional. He is game. unconventional. Yeah. 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 So uh, tell us about him. He's an undersized four, almost like Zalgaris plays him at five sometimes. Um, it's an odd game because he has like a beast ball package. Um, but he also has this low push shot from the perimeter that he's been pretty accurate with and they don't have him out there shooting a lot, but to me, his, so his, his selling proposition is that he could be a stretch who can pound switches and it's based on a fairly low volume in Europe, but I think it's something he could do a lot more frequently and that that would make him a pretty potent offensive player. And he needs to, he shot 47.9% on threes this year and 84 from the line. Now that was only on like 60 attempts, I think from three. Uh, but you watch him shoot. It doesn't look bad. Um, he's definitely more of a scorer. He's a good rebounder. Uh, defense is going to be the big question mark with him. No doubt about it. I mean, he's an undersized big, um, doesn't move great laterally. Uh, doesn't like he's got some bounciness to him, but it's more kind of, it's more useful at the offensive end, I guess, is is the way I'd put it. But he's 26 years old. He's still getting better. Like, I I, I think he has a chance. When I first saw you know, he's 6'7", 230, I was sort of looking to see if there was this kind of, you know, Draymond Green type of versatility to him. And, and he doesn't have that. You mentioned that defensively, you know, he's not P.J. Tucker. He's not Draymond Green. And, and so, I mean, I think to be a defensive liability, I don't think that the offense is that good. Like, I realized that he shot pretty well, but I think the volume was really low for a reason. And that is that 
that awkward push shot in front of his face. It just takes him a long time to get that off. He needs a lot of room because it's such a low release. He can't really shoot it at all on the move. Like, I don't know if he can shoot that out of like a pick and pop, say. Um, and I also was hoping for a little bit more pop around the rim as well to, to finish. Um, you know, he can use his body and finish pretty well. And, and the, the stats are okay there, but I, I just, I struggle to see a role for him. I mean, and, and I think you're, because, you know, I think we both talked to scouts as well. And, and this isn't to criticize you because this is how you find people, but you're, I think you're the only one of, you know, I've talked to me four or five people. You're the only one who mentioned him, I would say. Yeah. For this. I think. And, 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 and he, he is unconventional. So I'm, I have to say I disagree with you on this one. I, I yeah. don't really see it for him. So yeah. the people I talked to all, the first thing they said was they don't know if he can defend at the NBA level. Yeah. So, uh, but if I were, say, I don't know, Charlotte, <laughs> right? Would I would I try to sign this guy rather than some random veteran? Absolutely. Yeah. So you're thinking of him as kind of more of a minimum developmental guy. Let's, yeah, let's that, yeah, that's a, that's how I would see him. And then, you know, he's not making crazy money over there either, so he's gettable. So it's funny that you gave that introduction of him as like a guy who was unheralded because there's another guy you mentioned that no one else mentioned that I totally do see it with, and okay. that's uh, Axel Butel. Okay, okay. He okay. reminded me a lot of Joe Harris. Okay. Um, Really, really good shooter, Uh, French guy. Um. You know, not going to be a ridiculous defender. Will be a liability. He's probably he's less athletic, I would say, even uh, than Harris. Um, not a great passer, but twenty five percent usage, sixty three percent true shooting, taking deep threes, shooting screens, uh, shooting threes off of the pick and roll up top from deep. Um, you know, I, I think he competes at least defensively. He tries. He's not going to be an asset there, but you know, he's, a, he's not going to at least kill you by lack of effort. It's going to be the lack of athleticism that's going to get you. Um, he's been just the numbers as a three point shooter have been over 40% for a long time. I think he absolutely he takes really deep threes form looks beautiful. Like he absolutely can shoot it very well, uh, at an NBA level. And you know, he's about six, six. So he definitely can play shooting guard. He's not going to guard the best wing on the other team for sure. Um, he's got some, uh, handling ability and pick and roll. He can shoot it out of pick and roll. Um, he got some amount of ability to finish. So I, I was, that was one where I was, I was impressed that you found. I thought he could abs- absolutely someone that a team should sign. I liked him. Yeah. I mean, as the league transitions more towards skill, right? This and really having multiple skilled floor players on the floor at the same time, because he's a guy, even though he's six, six is like a two, three, he's played with the ball in his hands his whole career. And, so he can run pick and roll. He can, you know, he can go either direction. He can get to the rim. He's not going to finish above the rim, but he can, he's pretty crafty around the basket and has a good feel for the game. Uh, decent passer, probably not an elite passer or anything, but then a really good shooter on top of that. So that obviously opens up the floor for him when you have to crowd a guy and take away his three ball. Then that opens up the driving lanes, even if the guy isn't super fast. So I think he has all that going for him. The defense is going to be an issue. Um, you know, you probably the guy you hide on their worst, uh, perimeter player. But I think as, as like, especially if you're talking when you get into like second units and it, I mean, it's hard finding good offensive players at the wing when you get past your starters. And so I do think this guy could have value in the league, even though he'll be a minus defender and he's 25. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with you. And 
I mean, if you compare him to like, you know, Ryan Brokoff got an NBA deal for a year and a half, like he's way better than Ryan Brokoff. Like I think he's got more versatile jump shot. I mean, Brokoff is a, is a very good shooter, but I think he's more, you know, he can do more athletically than Brokoff could like, you know, am I offering this guy 5 million a year? No, probably not. But, uh, I would feel comfortable going, you know, three million a year or something like that. Even I think so. I mean, when you look at the money people spend on wings, yeah. yeah. Um, and I could see him too as all right. We run a pick and roll on one side. He's on the weak side. We throw it over to him. Yeah, his guy closes out at him, but then you get the pick and roll before the other big can get there because he was just helping in the lane, and then the guy can pull up from three uh, off the dribble. Like that's the sort of thing I could see him doing and coming off screens. Mm-hmm. As well, he's, he knows how to navigate screens. He's crafty. Uh, so, no, I, I, I thought he is definitely someone that a team should take a look at. How- David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. How about uh, Facundo Campazzo? I think he absolutely, at a, at a, I don't think he's going to want to come over because he plays a really mm-hmm. nice role and he's been at Real Madrid forever, but... Uh, I think he absolutely could be a solid backup point guard. I think he would struggle. Um, I, I studied him pretty hard. He's really small. He's not a great shooter. Um, and, and I think if he, like, if he, if he doesn't have the ball in his hands, he basically has no value at all. Defensively, he's going to have a hard time. I, it was one of those guys, like, I kind of wanted to like him and I just couldn't, I just couldn't quite get there with him. I, I think he's kind of a, like a, a 4A guy for me, I guess. So two guys came to mind when I thought about him. Um, one is Sergio Rodriguez. He's smaller than Rodriguez, but he is way better defensively. Like he actually can pressure the ball. He tries. He'll take charges. He's a pest. I think he actually could hold up a little bit better than some of these guards, at least. Is he, he's not going to be an asset. He's small for sure, but especially like just guarding other backup point guards and mm-hmm. the fact that he competes and he has all those. 
annoying Argentine tricks. <laughs> um, his shooting is really good. That's really improved. I think, um, you know, he could play off the ball a little bit. He's a solid pick and roll operator. So I, I think he could be like better than Sergio Rodriguez because of the way that he competes defensively. I think he's just, yeah. he's one of those guys like a JJ Barea type defensively. I mm-hmm. thought of he's nowhere near the finisher that Barea is. I mean, Barea, like I've always said, if you're a small guard who's under six feet, like don't watch Isaiah Thomas because Isaiah Thomas was just an unbelievable athlete. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, the second Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Watch JJ Barea. Like he is someone that like every small guard can learn from as a finisher. Like he is just an absolute technician in that area. And, and Compazzo is not that, but I also think Compazzo has got a little more passing ability than Barea. Like I think he absolutely would be a solid backup point guard. It's just a question of whether. Um, you know, he wanted to come over, I forget if it was last year or the year before, and there there was very muted demand, let's say, uh, and so he ended up staying there. We'll yeah. see. I mean, he's 29 years old now, so it's probably almost now or never. I mean, short guards typically don't play until their late 30s, right? No, so, and the defense becomes more of a problem as you get older, too. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I don't believe we will ever see him, but I think he, he could have played in the NBA, especially just because of his mentality. I mean, he's just like such a motherfucker. Like he, right. he, he would find a way to compete, I think. Uh, and you know, just draw enough charges and piss enough people off that, <laughs> like he's, that he's not just like getting taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyone else who comes to mind here that, um, I know there's one prospect that you looked at that you want to talk about. There's a couple more guys we can do quick hits on maybe. Yeah. So, uh, the one guy I want to mention is, uh, Nikola Kalinic. Um, uh, Serbian. He's, he's 28 years old. Uh, he's never put up any kind of offensive numbers at all. I would compare him to Tory Craig, where you're just bringing him over, uh, to be a defensive pest. He's a good athlete. He's a really good defensive player. Um, he's limited on the ball. Uh, but I think actually in an NBA environment, he could get more kind of dunks and layups in the run of play because he is a pretty good athlete. He's, He'll move the ball and make the extra pass because he doesn't want to shoot it anyway. Uh, so he's, he's like, he's not going to hold up your offense, but the issue is, will people guard him? He shoots this moon ball from off the top of his forehead. It's a little weird. Uh, he's shot it okay some years, not so great other years, but I think he has a chance as a defensive stopper. I mean, he definitely have to come over on a minimum and he might make more money now, uh, for Fenerbahce than he could playing in the NBA. But I think he's a really interesting guy because he's, He's one of the guys where you watch the athleticism and you're like, yep, he'd fit. You so just you wonder about you, the skill level with him. Yeah, you, you think you could actually put him on some of the, the best wings? You, you think you're thinking of that type of level as a defender? Uh, yeah, I think, I think he's, I think he's really good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't quite get to that level, but I, I can't say I looked at, at his defense that I, I remember him more from, uh, at least not this time. I, I remember him more from his Serbian national team since, and he was, the only guy on, on that team who was an athlete at all as a combo for it. I think he, he's, his shooting isn't going to be a plus, but I thought he at least has been taking them the last couple of years when he's been open. You know, I don't, I think he at least hasn't been like turning down shots. Yeah. Yeah. Which that's, but that's step one. Had kind of a rough year this year. I think he had like some sort of a facial fracture and that was, uh, maybe part of it. Um, but at, at 28, I, th- when I looked at the tape, I didn't spend as much time on him. But I thought his athleticism has taken a step back from where it was a couple of years ago in terms of his ability to drive and finish above the rim. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so I, I was a little concerned about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, I would bring him him over uh, and take a look at him. It, he re- maybe his game is a little similar to someone who wasn't able to stick here that I thought would uh, uh, cause Papa Nicolau. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe a better athlete than that. It, but he's kind of coming off a rough year, so I'm not sure whether that was injuries or he's moved into a new phase in his career. I, I thought he Possible. could be. I thought he was. It would always kill me when the Serbians wouldn't play him. I'm like, he's your only guy who can even pretend to defend on this team, like, <laughs> right? On the national level, and they, you know, they bring in some other guy who, who, you know, would just stand outside and shoot. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's definitely worth taking a flyer. He's got a lot of experience, obviously. Um, I, I, he, I was never struck by just like, oh, this guy is like locking people down defensively. I thought he was more kind of just athletic combo forward type can can hold up there, make some plays and transmission be transition may be more of a, a, a secondary to def- defender was how I saw. I mean, are you, but you see him as another kind of minimum sort of candidate. And no He's a minimum guy all the way. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's a time when I, I might've been a little bit higher. Um, and then another guy we could hit on real quickly is Anthony Gill. A lot of people mentioned him to me out mm-hmm. of Virginia. It's 27 yep. now, uh, shoots shot at a very high percentage, but not a, a ton of volume. From three of those, there's, there's not a lot of guys who have that type of volume from three in Europe. Uh, he's very efficient, opportunistic cutter, but doesn't, as a wing player, six, six, he doesn't quite have the length or the bounce, which is, I mean, no shit. If he did, he would be in the NBA. Uh, so I think he could survive defensively at the NBA level and shoot it well enough. He's someone again who I think you, you could bring over and the, the beauty of him is you know what role he would play in the NBA. He would be he wouldn't be necessarily great at three or great at D, but you would hope that maybe he could be good enough at either of those uh, to get by and be in a rotation. Maybe. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because he went to Virginia, um, where he got a much better education than Zach Lede got. And he um he was an energy big at Virginia. Never shot threes. Uh, took three three pointers in two seasons at Virginia. Yeah, and then uh, in Kimki in Europe has really developed that three ball, and you know you just you wonder now because he was he was really good like just active bouncy around the glass and uh, pretty efficient around the rim even if he, like he was just shooting layups for Virginia but um, like there there's definitely something to him there and uh, so I think he's he's definitely an interesting player to watch i think there are positional questions because he's like he's an undersized big but is he like does he really have enough skill to play in the perimeter like i i don't really think so um yeah he, but he might have to be more more small ball more. four you know i i think he's I, I liked what he was able to do attacking closeouts taking a few dribbles making a, a decision yeah i i wasn't familiar with him from before uh, as much you know, I, I mean i remember the name i know he's had like a couple of summer league stints um but yeah, I mean, sixty-nine percent true shooting this year, sixty-seven percent last year, sixty-eight percent the year before, and as you mentioned, he, he started to improve his three-ball. He shot forty-three percent this year, only seventy-nine attempts in thirty-six games. But his uh, overall, he's been you know around that forty percent area or so. He, he took a dip last year, but uh, you know, free throw shooting is good. He's been in the eighty percent range, so I think. Maybe he can continue to evolve as three is 27 already. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, someone I would be down to take a 
flyer on whether that's uh, enough for him. He is American, so he may, uh, those guys yeah. typically are more willing to give it a shot in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, yeah. he's he's like a sneaky old guy because he didn't graduate till 2016, but he's already 27. Jock Landale? Yeah, I can't get there with him athletically. Um, played at St. Mary's, played for Partizan last year. Um, and, uh, you know, I was able to see him in, in person actually with Partizan. Like, pretty good finisher around the basket. I'm not sure he has a ton of stretch game to him. I really question whether he, he would just get pick and roll to death in the NBA, though. Yeah, so he has a 7-2 wingspan, which isn't bad, but he had this massive drop in his block rate this year. His block rate went from 4.5% down to like 1% this year. I do think he tries. He's a high energy player, very efficient around the basket. He's above average athleticism, I would say, for a Euro big. But uh, what I saw a lot from him was that he would be in position and then just not able to affect the shot for whatever reason. I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. he has the 7 2 wingspan, but he seems to play smaller than that. I mean, I, I his overall effort level is good. You know, I love he does things like. Every time he goes to set a pick and roll, he like sprints into into the pick and roll like that. That type of energy to be able to do that over and over again, like that actually matters to be able to just create a little separation from your man as you run into the pick and roll. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to have him a little bit behind the play, like those sorts of things. I think he uh, has some potential as the stretch big. You know, he's shooting like thirty three percent, yeah, yeah, from three when he was open. I thought he he would take it. We've seen him in summer league the last couple of years. He's someone I, I would take a chance on and see if he could continue to evolve. If he gets a little better defensively or a little bit better as a shooter, you know, I, I think he could get there. I mean, there, I think there are definitely bigs who are in the NBA right now who are worse than him. Do well, you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, you, you've watched the Warriors this year, right? I still think Amari Spellman is like slightly under, uh, but, but he's not on the worst. Like Landell, I think, like, if he could, were just a little better defensively, I could start to get behind him. We've also seen, like, uh, I mean, this is maybe stereotyping, but he has that kind of Australian play hard fire. And we've seen those guys continue to improve throughout their careers. Like Aaron Baines, the perfect example mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. He really, so where, where yeah. Landell gets interesting is that he's 24. Right. So he's the youngest guy we've talked about, I think. And he's going to get stronger too, by the way. Yeah. I, I think he actually could. Uh, like I still think he looks maybe a little doughy and could like tighten things up a little that way too. So yeah. he uh, he's definitely one to track, and I do wonder if if he's like a down the line guy. Um, there's speaking of Australia, I think there's one other guy who's worth talking about who maybe isn't a this year guy, but could be a down the line guy, and that's Jay Sean Tate. Yeah, you know uh, he was one guy who was recommended to me. Six four, six eight wingspan went to Ohio State. Um, where it broke down for me on him was I just wasn't impressed enough by him defensively. I, like he's, you know, he's, he's strong. You know, I guess he's probably you know in the two thirty, two forty range, mm-hmm. and he just didn't quite have the quickness to me to stay in front of guards when they switch. Like I thought he got beat a lot, and he would just have to get better in that area. He, he's not. He's an evolving shooter. But he shoots really poorly from the line. Like he has to get a lot yeah. better there. Yeah. He can handle the ball. He can finish around the rim. He can face up and attack. Um, I think if you just did a little bit more defensively, I would be more fired up uh, on him. And he, he was definitely mentioned to me. And I was like, oh, I'll check this guy out. And yeah. when you watch him at first, you're like, ooh, this could be interesting. And then yeah. you flip to the defensive side. And I mean, I'm not saying I spent more than like 15 minutes watching him, but like 
you flipped to the defensive side and he didn't do anything that I saw there that was really impressive. Yeah. So interesting guy. Uh, by the way, shout out to uh, my guy, Chris Pongrass, who worked with me in Memphis and is now the general manager of the Sydney Kings, who signed uh, Tate out of summer league uh, last year and uh, put him at power forward at six foot four. And he made first team all NBL in Australia. So props to him. Uh, he's a, a runner dunker uh, has become a pretty decent three point shooter you wonder if there's some long-term like poor man's Jay Crowder potential, but I, he's not there yet. He's he's 25, but he's only uh, two years out of Ohio State, I want to say. And he's de- he's definitely on a nice trajectory here, but he can't. I don't think even with all the small ball and everything, you can play power forward in the NBA at six foot four. I think that's just a little yeah. pushing well, a little and, too and much. Six eight wingspan. You know, we're not yeah. talking about like a seven foot wingspan. Yeah. So I I think he has to show a little bit more positional versatility to play two and three and guard on the perimeter more consistently and prove a little more himself as a perimeter shooter. But definitely a guy I think you could see two, three years down the road, if he continues on this, that you'd see him in the league. Another guy that got mentioned to me by a number of people, if you don't think that Jock Landale is athletic enough, you're really going to think that this guy isn't athletic enough. He <laughs> got mentioned by enough people. I think we should talk about it. Uh, Johannes Voigtman. Yeah. You know, I, I watched a lot of him in person. He, uh, he's skilled. He's, he's not super athletic, not at all, not an above the rim player. No. I do wonder if he could be a third center in the NBA because he has a decent skill level. He can pass. I always like bigs who can pass. Pretty good shooter from mid range. He can probably stretch it out if his job required it. Runs the floor really hard, even though he's not super athletic, and he gets buckets that way uh, in Europe. Now, I don't, I don't know if he would still get buckets that way at the NBA level, but it's you know a promising trend anyway. So, I think there's maybe something there. I don't know if he would just get pick and rolled to death if his uh, if he just wasn't wouldn't hold I, up I, enough I think, defensively. I think I do know. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean the stretch big is is the big thing for him. I mean, he, I think he easily can push it out to the NBA three point line. Shot forty three percent, and I think he's got a, a beautiful, perfect arc on his shot. Uh, pretty good versatility. Also comfortable with the slow motion drives off of closeouts and making a decision. But he he can't jump at all. He can't move at all. Um, so it, it, like I think if it were. Ten years ago, I would like him a lot more, but it's just a, a defensively, I just don't see it. Offensively, I think he could absolutely be a, a positive for you with his shooting ability and decision making. He's got like a little bit of a jump hook uh, as well on switches, but um, it's just it's really difficult for me to see him surviving defensively. Yeah, that that was always the question that has held teams back because I know other teams were interested him in him at different times, but it. I think that defensive issue just stopped people from pulling the trigger. I mean, he he played in 44 games this year, which includes the Russian league, which is terrible because you have to play three Russians at a time uh, in that league. He had 21 blocks in 44 games. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not amazing. Now, okay, you want to bring him over as a third center? He knows how to play. He can shoot a little bit. Maybe you just hope that you outscore him when he's in the game. But it, I'm... uh it was tough for me to get behind him just due, due to the, the lack of athleticism. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm with you there. So you are so excited about this prospect <laughs> that you defied our stricture that we weren't going to be including 
uh, prospects who hadn't been through uh, the draft already. Well, we we originally said the best the best guys under thirty who are not in the NBA. So I said, what about Usman Garuba, uh, who is seventeen and is getting minutes for Real Madrid already? And historically, I mean, guys who play this much when they're teenagers almost always turn out. You know, the, when they, when you're on a high level European league, league team and they're giving you minutes when you're seventeen, you're going to be something in the NBA. Um, inside player, uh, good feet and hands, crazy rebounder, uh, not really much of a shooter at this point. He has made a couple of three pointers for Madrid this year, but I think his skill level still has a ways to go. Has a little bit of grab and go potential though, as a, as a rebounder. Like some of his sequences, you see, like uh, they they remind you a little bit that the rebound in the first two dribbles remind you of Draymond Green. Then like don't. Not so much after that, but um, I think there's some question whether he's an early bloomer who's maxed out physically already. But I, I think even if that's the case, he's going to be good enough to play in the NBA just with with what he has now. And whether that's as a four, or as a small ball five, I don't really like. He's six eight. He plays inside for Madrid, but how how much can he stretch out to the perimeter as he gets older? I think is a is a question. But I think he's going to be a top ten pick next year. Do you think he has star potential? I think it's like Bam Adebayo star potential, hmm. is right? It, is he's that level athlete? Potentially, yeah. I wow. I, I think he's. A, I mean, it's hard. I so I've not seen him in person, so that's why I'm I'm hedging my bets a little bit because it's it's harder on the tape. But but I I like him. Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's absolutely a lottery pick. Yeah, well, that'll definitely be a name to. Keep an eye on. I didn't get a chance to watch any any of him at all because you know I follow the rules. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll get plenty of chance. I'm a rebel, Nate. I play I play by my own rules. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so give me your top three guys right now uh, of the players that we talked about who right. we think could come over the the guys who could make the biggest impact on an NBA team next year. Okay, so. Can we set Miritich aside? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Of of the guys who actually might realistically be available. So I would say Shane Larkin for sure. I would say I would say the more we talked about it, I had him a little lower on my original list. I actually think Axel Butel. Um, and then I would say probably Nikola Milutinov because you you at least know that he can play five and do something. Uh, it would be him or Scotty Wilbekin in the third spot for me, but probably Milutinov. Yeah, Milutinov would be up there. Misic would be up there for me too. Although, again, like he's, you got to give him the keys a little bit. I mean, that's kind of been the problem with some of these. Some of these guys don't deserve the keys. I think Misic kind of does. I think Teodosic, if he'd been on a different team, again, you know, he came to this team with the, and, and if he had stayed healthy too, but he came to the Clippers as they had all these other guards on the team. But if you, if you actually just wind this guy up and let him run pick and roll, uh, I think you could, he can do something. So Misic, Milutinov, who would my third guy be? Yeah, Wilbekin and Larkin, Larkin certainly would be in there. Although I, I just have this feeling that they, it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to come over. Um, yeah, I could, I could say I, don't, I don't expect to see either of them in the NBA. I think we're more likely to see Wilbekin than Larkin among between the two. And uh, yeah, I would say uh, Butel as well. I mean, the only thing that concerns me is that no one else seems to see it with him. So <laughs> right, maybe we're right. Just- I mean, I'm, I'm worried that he might just be like complete trash on defense. That would be my biggest concern. Yeah, or, or just just too unathletic overall. But I, I think it's he's 
he's higher upside in some ways than some of the other guys because I think he could really fill a role that's in demand if some of the other stuff works yeah. out. Yeah. Um, but you know, Larkin, Wilbur, I think we kind of know what they would look like. They would be likely backup guards in the NBA. I'm not saying Patel is going to be a starter, but he also just fits in more ways on more teams. Uh, even if he maybe has a, a higher bus potential than those other guys where I think you're kind of know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, it's so hard to find wings who can handle the ball in this league that it's, you know, it's th- those guys have just have more value. So. It's it's worth taking the plunge on then. Yeah, I think you could look good in a system where, you know, like Quinn Snyder's system where you're just running a bunch of pick and rolls. And he could also look good playing off the ball as well. I think he could play that role. But just to give him a couple of reps on the ball and let him pull up from three off the pick and roll would would maximize it to me. Um, all right. Uh, what did you write about for The Athletic this week? Yeah, so uh had a couple of things. Um, I, I wrote about... Uh, the NBA's complex restart ideas and how they might want to look harder at keeping things simple. And I asked a, a few questions along the way as to, as to what they might be doing and what the impacts might be. Uh, got a piece coming on the, on the Clippers future and one on the Celtics as well. Yeah. I've been enjoying those series uh, where you get together, have a conversation with the, the local athletic writer. For those teams, uh, I did a show with Danny yesterday, which was a lot of fun. We talked about the on-court moments that changed history this century. That was a lot of fun to go through that year by year and talk about how things might have changed if those uh, unlikely events hadn't uh, occurred. And uh, John and I will be back next week. We'll talk to you all then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.